Amen. All right, let's grab a copy of Scripture, open to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, We're going to spend the next probably six weeks uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to, well, all right, a couple people into the Holy Spirit here. That's good. Um, We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit with regards to his specific ministry as it relates to the life of the believer. And I think it's important for you to know that up front because any uh, discussion about the Holy Spirit um, would be to, to do a, a complex uh, topic like that would, would be it would be the same as me trying to do a series on Jesus or a series on God the Father. I mean, you, you can't do seven weeks on a member of the Trinity, but what you can do is talk specifically about the work of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. So uh, what I just want you to think about with regards to uh, the next six weeks tonight and the next six weeks to follow will be uh, some of this will be new to some of you. Some of this will be things that you've heard before. Uh, My prayer is that as it encourages and ministers in our heart, there will be something that we, this would be definitely something that you would reteach to other people. I mean, everything that you learn should be for the purpose of reteaching it. But um, this morning it was my intention, but we were so busy with everything going on to uh, just to encourage and commend the the young new believers among us to really uh, either take part here with us on Sunday nights or if that's not possible, to listen online and just uh, go through these messages because it will be very encouraging and informative to them as they uh, embark on their uh, journey with Christ. Let's pray and then we'll study together. Okay, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, what a glorious, wonderful treasure we have in your perfect, inerrant gift to us. And so, Lord, I pray tonight you'll make it come alive in a special, unique, wonderful way as we look to Uh, Begin to stretch our mind around the Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to see Him and to uh, know Him, understand Him, comprehend Him in a new and fresh way as it relates to His specific work in our lives as Your children. And Father, we'll give You the glory and the praise. So help us with ears to hear and hearts that might receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. It's so hard to talk about anything in Ephesians 1 because this chapter is so fantastic and unbelievable that anywhere that you start is just missing so much. But we're going to start in verse 7 to set the context and then we'll focus our attention in 13 and 14. Let's begin in verse 7. Scripture says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom, and prudence, having made known to us the ministry of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ 
should be to the praise and His glory. Now 13. In Him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. What a remarkable passage of Scripture this is. And Paul is certainly, uh, if nothing else, he is... uh, trying to set the world record for the all-time longest run-on sentence in the history of the world. There's so much there. But as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, the reason that uh, I am convinced that he is so wordy here is just for the enthusiasm and the excitement that's in his heart is he is just pressing, it's almost like squeezing out uh, the, the, the juice of a fruit. He's squeezing out all the glory of salvation in chapter one. And it's just, it just keeps coming out and coming out and coming out. And he just can't take a breath. He's so excited about everything that we have in, in Christ and salvation. And so, uh, this is his purpose. But in particular, he, he says something very interesting, uh, about the work of the Holy Spirit in verse 13. He says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, tonight we're going to talk about uh, God's glorious guarantee. We're going to talk about what does this mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? What is God talking about sealed? And uh, the first thing you need to understand is that a seal uh, is, this is new information to anyone, but just to make sure that we're not talking about an animal at SeaWorld, we're talking about a seal uh, that maybe a king would use to to seal a document or to seal something to declare uh, as a sign of security or authority or or purpose or what have you, and then also maybe think of the sealing in the sense that something is is sealed it 's secured it 's now uh, it's it 's now been locked down and so for example when uh, in Daniel chapter six when when young Daniel is tossed into the lion's den, um, we see in uh, chapter 6, verse 16, that the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that uh, the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So you get an idea of this uh, sealing. The tomb of Christ was sealed after they uh, rolled the, the stone in front of the tomb. It was sealed. So let's talk about this sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I mean, just such a comforting truth in our hearts. The first thing I want you to, uh, or the question we're going to ask is, in whom are we sealed? In whom are we sealed? Notice in verse 13, Paul says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Who is the Him in verse 13? As that's going to give us an indication of in whom we're sealed. And you look back at verse 12, and you'll see that Paul says, That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. So the Him in which we're sealed in is Christ. So to be in Christ is to be sealed into a place of 
lavish blessing. It is we are grafted in. We're sealed. We are uh, are permanently part of the Lord Jesus Christ by the by the sealing ministry. Now, notice all the way back in verse three that uh, the lavishness of this position that we have in Christ. Paul says, "Blessed be." the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So in other words, if you look at the totality of what Paul says in the first 14 verses of Ephesians, what you see is that we are sealed into Christ. And in that sealing, in that being part of Christ, that encompasses this lavish blessing of all blessings in Christ that that every every promise in the scripture pours out of this the fact that we're we're now in Christ and i hope that uh you realize and recognize that you know you can uh you can rattle through a million different ways to delineate um uh whether or not a person is a believer um, you can we can have all sorts of conversations about um, examining uh, fruit or their lifestyle or the things that they do and so on and so forth. But there really is going to be no discussion about salvation apart from the indwelling of the Spirit of God. That is the you see because we can fake things externally in our behavior. We can we can uh, we can muster up enough strength to be a little you know, to be, to fool people for a time. But you, you, you cannot, uh, you can't fake the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what sets apart the sealing ministry of the Spirit Himself personally in our lives, being in Christ. That is, that is the clearest. Every time when you look in Scripture, read First John chapter 3, and uh, really all of First John, and over and over and over, you'll see, uh, John bringing back this issue of the indwelling spirit being sealed in the spirit that brings about uh, the the guarantee of salvation. So the first thing is, in whom are we sealed? That's Christ. The second question is, by whom are we sealed? By whom are we sealed? So notice in verse 13 that in him uh, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed. So, so look at that for a second. You were sealed. Now, we were sealed into Christ, but we were sealed. Who sealed us? When, when did this happen? What does this mean, you were sealed? Well, uh, God the Father sealed us. Notice in 1 Corinthians 2 what Paul says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. It's given from God. Uh, later on in chapter 6, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from who? From God, from God the Father. The possession of the Holy Spirit authenticates the life of the believer. Sealing, the, the, the sealing signet ring of a king uh, would authenticate that um, either that document or whatever the case may be. So when... Nehemiah uh, travels across going back to Jerusalem to begin the process of rebuilding the walls and the king provides for him everything that he wants. He has letters 
from the king that he's going to need to to make passage through these other nations and to to be able to get the things that he needs. And so these letters are sealed from the king. And that's how they know they're official documents. They bring, they authenticate uh, whom is sealed. So in John chapter 6, when Jesus is talking about what Rod was talking about earlier, when Jesus is talking about being our food and being our drink, and he, he says that, you know, you will eat my flesh and drink my blood. And that whole discussion about discipleship, meaning that, that our sustenance needs to come from Him. He's just finished feeding the 5,000. He's got this, this massive crowd, probably the largest crowd of His ministry is swarmed around Him at this point, pressing Him from every side. And He says to Him in John chapter 6, He says, Then Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you, you seek Me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal on Him. You see what Jesus is doing here? Jesus is is authenticating Himself before these followers who are following Him for the wrong reasons. And He's saying, you've got this all wrong because God has set His seal upon me. And so this seal authenticates him as who he is in the same way that's what it does in our lives. The the work of the Holy Spirit, the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer authenticates us as his possession, as his child in the kingdom. Remember that Paul, uh, just prior to this, has has laid out all these issues of, of salvation And one of the things that he's covered in his way to getting to this sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit is adoption. And so he's already sort of given us adoption out there. He's laid adoption out there. And when Paul says in Romans, uh, goes back and grabs that Aramaic term, Abba, Father. You ever read that passage closely? How, How do we call out Abba, Father? It's by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. Read that passage closely. The Spirit is the one that enables us to call out Abba Father. So, by whom are we sealed? God the Father. Number three, with whom are we sealed? Well, obviously, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So, again, back to verse 13. In Him you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit of promise is the guarantee of our eternal uh, possession. The, 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 the guarantee of what lies ahead in the life of a believer is based on the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now notice in this just literally one short passage of Scripture... Look at the beautiful cooperation just in these first three things that I've brought about uh, tonight within the Trinity. You see, we're sealed into Christ. We're sealed by God the Father and we're sealed, you know, in the Holy Spirit. So you see, the entire Trinity is active in this process. Is that, you know, we're, we're in Christ by the Father 
through the Holy Spirit. I mean, what a just a remarkable reality in our lives. Now, let's talk for a minute about uh, what may be a little less obvious here. When were we sealed? Well, when does this happen? What, what does this mean? Well, again, in verse 13, Paul has this remarkable gift through the Spirit of God as Scripture is being uh, breathed out of him onto paper Uh, The Spirit of God gives Paul the ability to put the entire gospel in one sentence. And he does this all over the New Testament. Look at what he says again in verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed. And so what Paul is teaching us here is that there was a moment in our lives, all believers, there's a moment in all of our lives when we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and we believed. And it's at this moment that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So at the moment of conversion, at the moment of justification, the Spirit of God seals us. We're sealed in Him. Now, uh, when, when we think about, for example... Um, how our our circumstances seek to sort of deceive us or sidetrack us or make us uh, feel, um, you know, make us seem, uh, think that things are not as they are. Or maybe, you know, that we get gloomy and sort of get this doomsday attitude because things are going wrong around us. Understand that in this moment of this irrevocable transaction. It only comes through hearing the Word. The Gospel comes, we hear this good news, and we believe in it, and that's the moment that this takes place. Now, it's it's done. And so at some later date, if you find yourself in a place where you don't necessarily feel like that's happened... That has no bearing on what has happened. Now, I always use the same illustration to draw this out because it's just so applicable to so many of us in here. It's a whole lot like being married. In the sense that I'm married. But you know what? There are days when I don't feel that married. You know what I mean? I'm not. uh, Some days are better than other days. And some seasons are better than other seasons. And the and the, the point is, is that there was a moment when I was married and two, two separate flesh were made one. And that bond was completed and done. And yet, as sometimes time goes on and then, you know, for example, you know, I'm halfway around the world and two weeks has passed and I've had no contact with my family and I miss them desperately. But I mean, they feel so distant to me because I can't see them. I'm not around them or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, then there's other days when I'm here and, you know, my wife's right before me. But, you know, I'm uh, doing the laundry and I just not feeling real married at that moment. You know, she hands me a honeydew list that looks like the national deficit and I'm not feeling real married at that moment 
I know it's just me. It's not you. The point is, is that it's an irrevocable singular moment in time that God has sealed us and marked us, authenticated us, and we are His. And the, the, the Spirit, sealed by the Spirit of promise, which brings about another question, which is why? Why, we're, why are we sealed? I mean, why does God do this this way? Well, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is there to give us assurance of our salvation, to give us confidence of who we are in Christ. You see, the Spirit is the... is. There's all these things that happen in the moment of salvation... But it's the Spirit that's with us forever and ever and ever. It's the Spirit that indwells us and walks with us. So it's the Spirit that's there when you're in Africa and you uh, you may have wonderful, great memories of the, the moment you got saved. And, and it's good to reflect on that and to have the joy of your salvation and to think back to that moment and all the things that were... But in that moment, you when you're halfway around the world and you're you know, starving and feel like you're suffering heat exhaustion and everything. That moment in, a, in the, the comfort of, of your air-conditioned, nice church is a million miles away. But the Spirit's with you. You see, it's the Spirit that gives us that security. It's the Spirit that makes us secure in Christ. Notice what Paul says. He, he lays this out in verse 13, and then he, he ends 13 and says, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, what inheritance? Well, I've already said, Paul already introduced us to this idea of adoption. And so if you're adopted into a family, then you become a son or a daughter. That means you you are now in line with the other sons and daughters that are under that mom and dad. And so you have the same uh, inheritance as Christ. But I don't want to get off track. I want to stay focused on this issue of guarantee. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Now, arbon, that word arbon in the Greek, it's, it, it means it's the first step in an already completed transaction. In other words, sometimes well, people will use this word to, and they will translate it and say, well, it's a down payment. Well, it is true. It, is, it, is, it does mean a down payment. But the reason that's a bad way of saying it is because in our culture, a down payment is not necessarily a guarantee. It means a down payment in once the transaction is secure, it's the first installment. Are you with me? Of an irrevocable transaction that's already taken place. But it's the first payment. So it means that the Spirit is... It's not just the promise of something to come. He's not just the promise of something to come. But what He is, is He's the beginning of our inheritance. Remember when uh, Jeremiah... In, in Jeremiah 32, he, poor Jeremiah's just, you know, 
having another bad day and everything's going wrong and nobody's paying attention to anything he says and he buys a field and when he buys the field, the scripture says in Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah says, and I signed the deed and I sealed it. I sealed it. I took witnesses and I weighed the money on the scales. In other words, it's completed. So the, the transaction is done. The moment of salvation, of justification is finished. And what's happened is now this deposit, the first installment, He, the Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, the the one-third of the Trinity, is now the beginning. Do we we have uh, the fullness of all that we will inherit? Well, no. Not in this lifetime. But we, we get some now. We get Him now. Are you following me? This same word, Arbon, it... it also means an engagement ring. See, in the, in the Greek language, it, it began to, to mean engagement. So you would, you would give this ring, this Arabon engagement ring. So the ring is the, is the gift or the commitment of that we're now uh, the transaction, that I'm going to marry you. And so, again, in our culture, well, I guess in our culture, you might be able to give an engagement ring and then back out of it. So the best way to think of it is a very, very, very expensive engagement ring. So there's no backing out. It's priceless. Okay. And so once you give this ring, there's no backing out. It's, it's done. So maybe when, uh, uh, at the spirit indwells us is the uh, we we we're given this foretaste of what eventually will be fulfilled in glory but in this lifetime the spirit we're given this foretaste this indwelling of the spirit so if if at the if the if the wedding supper of the lamb if we're going to be seated at the table and and feasting with the lord for example, since we're talking about Arbon and how it means to be uh, engaged. Well, when, when you're planning a wedding and uh, you are, are looking for all the various components of the, the wedding. And so you've got the place and then you've got, you know, the, the pastor who's going to officiate it. And then... You're putting all the details together. And then one of the details is you, you find a caterer. And so what will happen is um, you will go to the caterer and the caterer will is not going to cook. You know, well, here's, you know, here's 500 pounds of lamb chops or whatever it is you're going to have at your wedding. So what the caterer does is give you a little sampler of what it's going to be like so that you can taste a little mini sampler of what it's going to be like on your wedding day. Well, think about the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit that way. That what we get is we get Him indwelling us and it is the beginning of what we will one day inherit fully. Uh, the Scripture says in Second Corinthians chapter one, the apostle Paul says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us 
is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You see, that guarantee again comes up where Paul's saying, this is the guarantee that everything is going to be okay. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You're secure in Christ. How do you know that? Because you're going to be sealed. And here's the Holy Spirit. And this, this foretaste of glory, this spirit within you is going to, I'm going to put my spirit in your flesh. So you're going to have a, you're going to have deity in flesh. You see that, that, that's why you, you, we, we feel like we're schizophrenic sometimes as believers. We, the scripture says in Galatians chapter five that the spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. This part of you wants to always do the wrong thing and the spirit's always leading us and guiding us and pulling us in the, in the other direction. Well, that's the ministry of the guarantee in our hearts. And so how do you, How do you know that you're saved? People ask me this question all the time. How do I know that I'm saved? Because you're changing. You're not who you used to be. Because you've been been indwelled by the Spirit of God. The guarantee is in you. And the way you know the guarantee is in you is because you can see the ministry of Him in your life. He is guiding you and leading you. And you are not the person you were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. You're changing. You see, the, when someone has a problem, it's when they're not changing. And here's the thing. When, when, if you say to me, you know, well, well, you wouldn't say this to me. You might say this to some people. You wouldn't say, you know, how do you know your son's growing? I mean, have you seen him? I mean, I feel like a midget sometimes in my own house. I'm like, you know, I, he's not in here, but I tell him I can still take him. But inside, I'm a little fearful. <clears throat> I'll hold him down, let Lisa get after him with the spoon or something, you know. But anyway, I can't see Colton grow. I can sit there and just stare at him. And you'd think if you stared long enough, you could see it. But you can't. But you know that he grows because you see the evidence of it, Right? Well, in the same way, I can't look at you and you can't look at me and just stare at you for a while and see you grow. But if we step back and get a window of time, we can see the change, right? We see the the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. The sealing ministry, the confirming ministry of His presence in your life is that you're changing. You're changing. It's a glorious thing. Number six, what's God's purpose in sealing us? Why, why, why this, why all this trouble? Why, why does Paul go to such lengths to make sure that we know this? Because here's, at the end of the day, you know, you come up against a hard place in your life. God begins to really push you to do something that makes you uncomfortable. He begins to, to really mold you in a new way. He begins to, to, you know, shift you in a new ministry or service direction or something like that. And you'll start having a little crisis of faith. You know, you'll have a start having, it's scary and it's hard. And here's the thing that in those moments, I mean, how do we know that all this is going to work out? I mean, how do we know? Well, how, how, how can we be sure? 
I mean, just because I'm standing here saying, no, this, this sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is an irrevocable event at the moment of justification, the moment of salvation, the life of a believer. Well, that's great. But what good does that do you when it's live or die? You know, what, 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 how do you know when, you know, you're having a, uh, you're laying there having a conversation about, you know, in, in the hospital with somebody you love trying to figure out, well, what, what is your next step going to be? Or if you were in, you know, how, how do these believers in these, uh, nations where it's so, uh, so dangerous to be a Christian and it's life or death every day? I mean, Think about Pastor Saeed that I talked about a few weeks ago. Last report I got, he was still incarcerated, but there, you know, the United States is ramping up a lot, a lot of uh, publicity and effort to try to, you know, through the State Department to try to get him released. And um, there was a, an interview with his wife where she was talking about the fact that she could see. Uh, uh, they won't let her go in and see him, but. Uh, the people that have been in to see him have told her that they can see physical evidence of his torturing. That in that while he's incarcerated, of course, he's in jail with, you know, with all Muslims, and he's considered to be unclean because he's a Christian, and so no one will go around him, and everyone wants to kill him, and so he's, you know, being abused physically and mentally, and so on and so forth, and. Um, and all he has to do is renounce Christ and they'll let him go. And there's his wife uh, here in the United States with, his, with their two precious children. And I mean, come on. Sure, I'm sure we're all, we're all superheroes in the comfort of this room. But let's be realistic. Put yourself in that situation. Honestly ask yourself, what would I do? All he has to do is renounce Christ. And he can go free. And he will not. You know, you better know. You, you, better, you better have a guarantee before you dive off that cliff. You're going to have to. Or you're going to fold. So look at what Paul says in verse 14. Really the pen that sort of holds all this together, the platform that, that brings all this up before us. He says, You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So in other words, until we cash in, redeem all that Christ has bought us through His death, so the inheritance that is ours, that we've already gotten a, a, a foretaste of in the indwelling, sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit, in that, but notice, here, here it all comes together. To the praise of His glory. Now that is extraordinarily important. Because what's Paul telling us? He's saying that all of this all this talk about being sealed and guaranteed is all held up by the reason that God does all this, which is His glory. It's for the praise of His glory. And if there's anything in this universe that God is 
ultimately passionate about, it is His glory. And if there's anything that God refuses to ever let fail, it is His glory. You see, you don't have to depend on yourself. You don't have to depend on your behavior. You don't have to depend on your your faithfulness or your diligence or your ability or your giftedness or anything else for this guarantee. That in Christ, at salvation, by the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's all done for the praise of His glory. In other words, all of the responsibility to make sure that this happens, all of the onus is on Him. And whenever it's on Him and His glory, you have nothing to worry about. Now, how do I know that? Because over and over and over, God not only will never allow His glory to depend on people, will He? No. What what happened just back in Luke 19 at the triumphal entry? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and they're waving palm branches and screaming Hosanna in the highest and... He says, well, if you're silent, what's going to happen? He said, you know, you don't, you don't have to... My glory is not dependent on you giving praise to me. That you can all just shut up. Everybody can just be quiet. And His glory is unstoppable. It cannot be silenced. All of creation... The heavens declare what? They do, do they declare? They don't, there's so many things they could declare, but that's not what they declare. What do they declare? The glory of God. And so whenever God says, I'm going to do something based on my glory, then you don't have to worry about that coming to pass. That's the most absolute, positive, lock-tight guarantee you can ever have in the history of the world is when God says, this is for my glory. The fact that you and I tonight are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, that He indwells us, is guaranteed because the whole thing is done for the glory of God. You see, you and I, we're sealed by the Spirit because God says that He is passionately committed beyond all other things to display His glory in your perfectly accomplished salvation in Christ. You see, that that what happens is is that as His children, adopted into His family, who now stand in the inheritance of Christ, that all of these things have happened. But it's just hard for us to to really settle down and, and say that this is an absolute guarantee. I mean, when life is good, it's not so hard. But when life is bad, we, we start to wonder. But here's, here's the thing. The deal breaker is, is that all of this is riding on. It's all built upon a foundation of God's declaration that He is going to do this for His glory. Now, listen to me. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out 
that a person's commitment to something is reflected in their investment in something. I mean, that's easy, right? And so if, for example, in such small, ridiculous ways, my teenage son can't come to me and say, Dad, I've just come to a point in time where I've realized that, you know, I, I checked a book out of the library when I was in the seventh grade, and now I'm in the eleventh grade, and I, I, I think the book might be under my bed, but I'm scared to look under my bed, and I know you are too, so, you know, I'm not sure. But the, the, the cost of that overdue book over the span of these years has gotten so high that I think I'm just going to drop out of school. To which my response is, son, I don't really care where the book is, and it really doesn't matter how much the fine is, because I have so much invested in you. Just in food, look at you. That you're going to graduate. If I have to carry you across... Well, if, if we together have to carry you across the stage because of all that's been invested... In other words, in our familial relationships, because we have so much invested with our, in our spouse and in our children and in these relationships that we're, we're, you don't just walk away and go, oh, well, you know, that's okay. I mean, well, you know, well, you win some, you lose some. No! Well, then how much more does Christ display His irrevocable commitment to His glory and His unfailing love, His plan that cannot fail in our salvation. Because He has vested everything in that. And so in the moment of, if you ever found yourself in a place of, it was life or death. And just, just, uh, just recant. Just, just forget about Christ. Just forget about this Christian thing. And you can live and you can go free. You just remember. Based on His undying commitment to His glory and what He has invested in my salvation, it simply cannot fail. It cannot fail. And so for you and for me tonight, just really Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 are just God's way of sealing in our hearts what He's already done, sealing in us through salvation. I mean, what a glorious, phenomenal assurance we have in Christ, because God has gone to the nth degree in every way. Haven't you ever just stopped and been reading through the the New Testament and just come across, uh, you know, reading through the book of John, and suddenly, you know, you get into chapters 14 and 
Jesus starts talking about sending the helper. And you start feeling like the disciples and you're thinking, wait a minute. I mean, how does it get any better than this? And you're reading that and you're just thinking, you know, I, I just don't know. Jesus talks about the helper in such a way that it just makes you, it makes you think, God, I mean, but listen. God has, why did God do all that? What, he could have just sent Jesus. He could have just made redemption possible. You know, it wouldn't have changed our justification. Are you with me? Jesus, Jesus made salvation possible. Why this magnificent helper? Because in the time between the moment of salvation and the moment of glorification, God gave the ultimate gift to encourage us, to empower us, to strengthen us, and to assure us. You see, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want my children... I wouldn't want somebody that I love wondering and concerned whether I love them, whether I care for them, whether I'm, they can depend on me, whether I'll protect them or provide for them. I want them to know. So God sealed you with His Spirit so you would know. My prayer is, is that Tonight, we would just be so grateful in our hearts and that you know through this series, I pray that you know so deeply in your heart that you are Christ because of the ongoing ministry that the Holy Spirit accomplishes in the life of every single one of his children. Let's stand, bow our heads. Father, as we stand and just... Still before you in this moment, Lord, we just want to express our gratitude towards you, Father. Lord, none of what we've discussed tonight were you compelled to do, did you have to do, were you bound to do in any way, but in your grace, mercy, love, you accomplish, Lord, the unthinkable in making way that we might be redeemed, reconciled to you, set right forever and ever and ever. That our past would be forgiven. That our present, Lord God, would be empowered. That our future would be guaranteed. And Father God, thank you so much for sealing us in the Holy Spirit. That God, tonight we can rest in the words of the Apostle Paul. The spirit of promise. The spirit that guarantees our inheritance. So Lord God, just as the rocks will cry out and declare your glory. Just as the sun goes down and the stars and the heavens begin to Declare your glory, though they're there all the time, Lord, as we look up and see them and they're forever 
and ever declaring your glory. There's not a second that will ever go by that they're not declaring your glory. And that glory and that praise that's due only you, Lord God, is our reminder of the absolute guarantee of salvation. And we thank you for it. So, Father, just help us to respond to what we've heard, Lord. Because, God, if we've heard anything other than just a talk, Lord, it was because that sealed Holy Spirit within us is now working His teaching ministry in our heart, allowing us to know and understand that which we hear in a special way. So, Lord, maybe tonight you might be drawing somebody to you. You might be calling to a heart in this room saying, come, come, come to me, daughter. Come, son. Come kneel down at this altar and just come be reminded of how much I love you. And I know that, that there are days that hurt and there are days that you feel dark and distant and weary. But know that I am always with you because I'm in you. And let that be a comfort to your heart in this moment. If you don't know that tonight, come and let me pray for you. Let Pastor Rod pray for you. Because God has gone so far to be sure that we're able to be sure that certainly you can know tonight that you are His. So you just respond as the Lord leads you in Jesus' name.